back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast of all podcasts known to mankind that helps you navigate through these hypersexualized times and find your true self on the other end of this journey. Now, in today's episode, I'm sure you'll notice the tone is a little bit different. Benji and I are getting into a hot topic, which is, does high noon even work? Does it really work? Really, really? We've been getting some comments lately from a few people. They're few and far between, but they've been impacting us because there's a lot to unpack in that question. And there's no one thing that works for any everybody in life, except for maybe oxygen. I think oxygen works for everybody, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe there's some people that I haven't thought about. But regardless, in terms of systems, processes, in terms of organizations, there's no one size fits all for any issue ever. But High Noon has been doing a great job. We have been lacking and we've been growing. We've been trying to evolve, but we just want to unpack this question. Does it really work? And I hope that you can come along in this journey with us because we've learned a lot over the past six years. We've grown a lot. We've helped a lot of people, but we've also not been perfect. So if you can allow us the opportunity to self-assess and to talk about this question, I think you'll be more informed and you'll find out how you can best use High Noon to be the person that you choose to be. So let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Benji and I are going off script, off schedule. Typically, we have like a day that we record podcasts. This is the day after the day we just recorded a podcast. We're doing another one because there's something really important that Benji mentioned yesterday during my conversation with him that I was like, yo, we need to record a podcast right now. I think it's an emergency. Are you ready, Benji? Yeah, do it. The topic (laughs) is, does high noon work? Because we've had a lot of people come in through our world with a ton of different expectations and also a ton of different results. And we've heard murmuring from different people. I, I was talking to one person last week who was like, um, I'd like to give you a review of uh, High Noon. I was like, oh, well, just understand. I'd like to also give you a review of your performance within High Noon, if that's okay. <laughs> you know, the old give and receive. Because I think that people's expectations aren't exactly clear. Part of that is on us. Part of it is on them. We're getting better at that. But yesterday, you mentioned that you had heard a few people say the same thing. Is this true or is this not true? Yeah, it's just my sentiment is that recently I felt like I've been kind of mentoring people and it's come up more frequent than, let's say, in the last few years of, I, you know, I tried High Noon and it wasn't for me like that. Not not like they're bashing on High Noon or saying, you know, it's more like it's not for me. It's not working. And so like, okay, well, what is working, right? Specifically about porn. We're talking about porn addiction and recovery. And then I have to get into them like, okay, well, what do you need, right? So that's what this episode is about. Right? Yes. So I, I would like to spend the first little bit of this episode picking apart some of this logic and getting to the core of this statement that high noon doesn't work because it's very easy to make very broad statements like that. And you can even feel like you have all the evidence in the world internally. See, it didn't work for me. See, I'm still struggling without understanding the statement that you're making and what its impacts are and how true it really is. And I also want to get into some of the places in which High Noon is lacking and stuff that we are working on, right? And the fact that we are Mm. evolving because it's not just us. We're not apologists for High Noon. We're just really deep in this. And I think we have a very unique perspective. And then I guess we could get into, at the end of this episode, ways in which people can get the most out of High Noon. Something positive. We'll end on a positive note. 
But how do you interpret that statement when you hear somebody and they're like, yo, Hanu don't work. How does that land? And what do you, yeah. do you interpret? That? Well, I mean, I think what you mentioned yesterday was pretty significant is that our formula for success is really simple, actually. It's not complicated. It's not, it's really just community, giving people the antidote or the lack of socialization and community and connection that people have that results in isolation and addiction. It's giving people the space to have conversations about, to have give and take, just to have a brotherhood, a sisterhood of people to talk about. And that's the positive feedback that we've gotten across the board has been just the fact that I have a group of men or women that I can talk to on a regular basis has been everything. And that's like what I really, really needed. So when I hear people saying like, oh, I don't know, it's not for me or it doesn't work. It kind of like this has the same vibe of people that say marriage doesn't work, right? <laughs> Like marriage yeah. doesn't work. It's a scam. More than 50%, you know, and all of that, right? Yeah. It doesn't work. Therefore, it's not for me. Therefore, I can't make it work. I cannot succeed in it. So I'm not even going to try. You know, that's the kind of the similar vibe that I'm getting. Well, yes, it's really vital that we understand something like that because from somebody's perspective, let's say like the way that I grew up, my parents got divorced. A ton of my friends' parents got divorced. So I could cultivate all that information, all that data and say, see, it doesn't work. And I could blame the institution of marriage, which is what a lot of people do. It's not healthy. And you'll see so many theories from the lineage of it doesn't work popping up these days. Things like open marriages, things like finding alternative ways because this thing is inherently not healthy because look at the results. That's one way of looking at it is just to blame the institution and find some alternative. The other way of looking at it is, well, maybe this is the neutral thing that we just haven't been using to its fullest extent. Maybe there's a way that we could do better at being married. And that's the other approach. And that's what High Noon's been working on. That's what a ton of religious people are kind of working on is not, let's not blame the institution of marriage. Let's figure out how to be better at being married. And that's a much healthier approach because if you could look at kind of unpack that is like, well, would you rather go through a series of relationships of like falling in love and breaking up and falling in love and breaking up and ultimately being single? Or would you rather stay together with somebody for all of eternity and have every year be better than the last? Which would you choose? And no reasonable person would choose the former. But there's so much evidence to the contrary, leading us to believe that that's not even possible in this day and age. But the more that you believe that is possible and find people who are living like that, the more evidence you're gathering for that to be true. So all of a sudden, your perspective changes from that's not possible to that's totally possible. That's exactly what happened to me. I grew up feeling like marriage is not going to probably work out. I don't want to have kids and all this stuff. I believe that up until you know my mid-20s. And I just believe that we shouldn't have kids and all this stuff. But then I started hanging around people who had really inspiring marriages. And all of a sudden, whoa, that's, that's possible. And I want that. Because why would I, I've experienced breakup, I've experienced heartbreak. I don't want that. But that's the inevitable conclusion that I'm, unless I choose lasting love. Does this make sense? So yeah. that's kind of like a metaphor. But it's the same with recovery is like, if you hang around a bunch of people who are struggling and not recovering, then yes, it might seem impossible. And it might seem like, you know, let's just live with this evil. We don't deserve better. It's not even possible to live without it. And so you might not say that, but I was just dealing with some people today, Benji. Like this morning, I left a message and there are these guys that I, I'm taking care of that they want to break free from porn. 
and yet they're not planning to break free from porn with their actions. They're not setting themselves up to really take this seriously. Mm -hmm. My question to them deep down inside is, do you really want to give this up? Because you actually kind of want to go back to it. Because if you didn't, you probably wouldn't. If you knew that something was poisonous, you wouldn't drink it. But if it was just a little bit poisonous, like Coca-Cola, we all know, is a little bit poisonous. If you Mm -hmm. have five a day for 10 years, watch what happens. Like something's going to happen because it's a little bit of poison introduced into your system every day. But it's you don't feel the impacts right away. Same with porn. It's like it's poison to your soul, but it's not so much so that you die immediately. It's just like this slow rotting that you experience. So when people come into our world, it's like, well, are you really want to give this up? Not just in words, but like, what are you willing to sacrifice? How much discomfort are you willing to experience in order to ultimately be free? Because there's going to be this period of time when it's very uncomfortable because you're creating a new life for yourself, a new schedule, a bunch of new feelings will arise. You'll feel like, oh, this is all new and I don't like it. Are you willing to live in that space for a period of time in order to recreate yourself? That's vital. And I think that people don't want that growth part. People want to go from happily struggling or unhappily struggling, however you see it, to being completely free of porn without the struggle. And that's, it's not really realistic. Yeah, the thing about porn, like you're saying, is that it's an addictive drug. It's not something that you can just turn off and turn on just because one day you felt like giving it up for good, right? The reason people use porn primarily is to escape. It's an escape mechanism, it's an escape coping mechanism. It's a crutch that people you've developed over many years or decades even. And the idea of giving that crutch up is actually subconsciously or consciously too much to bear. So I think this is also one of the justifications that's coming into play when people say something doesn't work, it's not for me. And like they're excited about a project or program or group or course in the beginning. And then little by little, they're kind of, they kind of taper off. I think it's because subconsciously or consciously, people are deciding that the benefits of keeping this crutch, this old friend, currently far outweigh the apparent negative impact of the Coca-Cola. And therefore, you're tricking yourself and you're lying to yourself. You know, we say addicts make the best liars, right? Not only to other people, but also also to ourselves. Addicts make the best liars to themselves and saying, oh, it doesn't work, justification, and deciding to keep the habit longer than is healthy. And some one question that I like asking people to kind of gauge how serious people are, right? Like you're saying, I guess in a nutshell, people are not as serious as they want to be or that they think they are in order to be the habit. So my question is, if I gave you a pill, like a red flu and a blue pill, we go matrix. And I said, if you take the red pill, then porn will be eliminated from your life completely forever. But you still have the urges. You would still desire to go back to that old friend, but you just wouldn't be able to. Even when you were stressed out of your mind and fighting with your wife or your parent, you wouldn't be able to because it would be gone forever. Would you take the pill? Would you decide? And I think that's an important mental process for people to go through. Is it if you could decide today to eliminate this porn from your life, would you do it? And this is why people don't do like filtering and porn blocking software, right? Yeah. They know it would be helpful. Of course it would be helpful. Just yeah. to have the knowledge that you can't access something even if you wanted to, but people don't do it, right? Because it's in the easiest way that people have found to escape life, to escape those negative emotions. I was talking with a guy the other day who has insane headache constantly, right? It's a medical thing. And he has found throughout his life is that the easiest way and the only way to to soothe those headaches is through porn. And so he's justified and decided that porn is essential for his physical well-being, for his health, mentally speaking, is he needs porn in order to alleviate these headaches. And I was like, dude, you have basically trained yourself to believe that this is the only way, this is the easiest option to, to soothe those headaches. 
You know, yeah. I'm sure there's a million or a hundred other things you could do that would help your headaches, but this has just been the fastest and easiest way. And it happens to be very destructive for you simultaneously, which is why he's, you know, currently seeking out mentorship. So yeah, hundred percent agree. I think folks are not as serious as they can be or need to be in order to beat it. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different ways we can take this. One is like, if you look at something like AA, like Alcoholic Anonymous, the program is really basic. And you meet up usually in a crusty basement of some church and you have some disgusting stale coffee. I know this because they used to host them in uh, 43rd Street in New York when I used mm. to be there and I would see. And <laughs> there's not much to it, but it's just, are you dedicated to the process? And there's a ton of people who enter AA and they're not ready, which is why they go back to their familiar mm. place. But I also know some people that AA absolutely transformed their life. And it's so rudimentary and basic. It's just finding a mentor that's your sponsor, showing up to the meetings and just doing the work of understanding yourself, where you're putting your energy, like cutting yourself off from your friends that you used to hang out with at the bar and forming new friends and finding new ways of joy and also being humble to God. These are all parts. They say you don't have to choose the word God, but you need to be humble to something bigger than yourself. And it's super basic and it doesn't work for a lot of people who are not ready, but it works for people who are ready. And I would say very similarly with High Noon, the effects are great for those who are willing to pay the price. The price being changing yourself, allowing yourself to be different because that's the only way you're going to get different results. And the other kind of thing I wanted to touch on was the gym. Like I've been going to the gym routinely since I got back to America and I noticed that there are some people who are really, really chiseled and in shape and like, you know, really ripped. And then there's other people, they go to the gym the same amount, but there's other people who have plateaued long ago. And it's like, you can't even tell that they work out, but I see them working their butts off, but they're not committed to the process of really changing their diet and doing what it takes to get the results that they want. And I realized this recently about myself. And I just started upping the weights in the past couple of weeks that I do to like, my God, I've I want like a slightly different body than what I have. I feel like my body plateaued, but I haven't paid the price. And so I was like, the price is heavier weights and a different diet. And I started that last week and it's like already paying off in space and it feels so much better. And I lifted, you know, a lot more this morning than I've ever lifted by myself without a spotter, like for bench press. And it was simply because I made that decision. Like, it's not like I couldn't do it before, but I was struggling with lesser weights before. But when I just made the decision, oh, this is what I want. And this is a sacrifice I need to make. All of a sudden, I have way more ability to lift weight. I haven't changed my, I still go early in the morning, fasted. I still like same energy levels. I just have more power. And that was a mental decision. So it's really yeah. important that you have to kind of really honestly pivot. And high noon, I would love to segue into stuff that we've been, I don't want to say failing at, but things that we haven't succeeded at that's failing mm -hmm. in the past, but we're getting better at. One is selecting who gets into our programs because we kind of want to help everybody. So we let everybody in our programs, regardless of their commitment. And some people kind of shuffled their feet into the programs, right? They're just kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, I guess I'll give it a try. And we shouldn't have let them in because those yeah. are the people that are not going to see change because they haven't even made the decision whether right. they want it. Because they're like, oh, it's kind of inconvenient. And it's like, okay, well, is having a porn addiction more convenient or is it showing up once a week for a call more convenient? So well, that's one failing of us is being not selective enough in the process. Also, I think that's important because in the end, those people aren't actually going to gain anything. Like that's huge. <laughs> 
we're actually it's, doing a disservice to people if yeah. we don't ha- if they don't have the right mindset to start with. But in the religious world and in the nonprofit world, anybody who's sincerely a part of an organization that wants to help people wants to help all people, right? We want to help all people recover. But if we take all people, regardless of their preparedness, we're actually doing a disservice to not only those people, but the organization and the other people who are serious. Because then you're mixing up the serious with the not so serious and it impacts the culture of the organization. So that was one failing of us is that we didn't really know what the standard was. And it always hurts to reject somebody because you're like, they're stuck and I don't want them to be stuck. But in reality, they have to choose not to be stuck, not us. We set the standards and then we have to invite people to join us in those standards. And so High Noon's getting better at that. The second thing that I think we've failed at is, you know, in the beginning, we were really about fighting porn, right? It was really about, hey, let's get porn out of your life. So that was really clear in the measurement for what success looked like back then, which was, did you have any slip ups? Did you know, like how many? And that was the measure of progress. But it wasn't fulfillment. It was just are you extracting the negative elements of your life? And that's not really a good measure for success. Because if you stop doing something bad, it doesn't mean that you're replacing that bad habit with a good habit, which ultimately will lead you towards where you want to be. And so that's a pivot that we've made in the past year in High Noon, which is really focusing on North Star goals, focusing on helping you getting clear on what do you want? Let's just assume that porn is out of your life. Okay, what are you going to do with that Mm -hmm. time, that energy? What are you going to do with your mind, your heart? What are you going to do with your life now that you have this free bandwidth all of a sudden? If you can't answer that to any degree with specificity, then chances are you're going to revert right back to your old habits as a default because you have nothing propelling you forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of like something that we had to learn and evolve. And there's still, I think, a lot of recovery programs that just focus on getting rid of porn. And that's great, you know, and it's like great early stage, but we don't want that for you. We want you to not just extract the negative. We want you to experience all that life has to offer on the other side of wasting your time. When you're so connected with the meaning of life, living day to day, moment to moment, it's a completely different existence. There's no space. On the other side of it, I think that we also can't lose sight of the reason that people, a lot of people do join Heine is because they have identified that they feel crappy about their lives because of this porn thing. Sure. And I think when we go through the process of helping people figure out their North Star, many people don't know because they are so deep at the bottom of the mountain. They're so deep in a trench, in a ditch, that they can't even see their North Star. They can't even see what it is until they dug themselves out a little bit, right? So in that sense, yeah. I mean, I agree with you that we need to focus our attention on recovery, like recovery being replacing the habit and not just abstaining from the habit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think so the people who are in that ditch are often the ones who will leave and say, see, this doesn't work is kind of where I'm at is that, yes, sometimes it takes a while for some people. We've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Some people last a year or two years in that ditch, but they keep on trying They keep on trying. We have one guy in particular that I know you know. He's one of the main guys of High Noon now. He volunteer. He's going to the blessing. His journey was like two or three years of just fighting it out in the trenches, trying to figure out, like putting in a lot of effort, but always winding back down in this self-lamenting place until one day he snapped out of it. And then within a week, he was like matched and like things started working out. So it was like, 
two or three years of struggle so that he could get it. And in an instant, he got it and his life transformed. So it really took an instant, but it took two to three years of prep of internal cleaning out so that he could make that quantum leap in his life. And that's like, that's a crazy thing for us to witness, right? Because we don't want to tell somebody that your journey might look like that. But in all honesty, it's like your journey to restoration, to restoring yourself can take an instant. But realistically, it's going to take a while before you get to that instant. Because you cannot see what you cannot see. And you got to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. It's like, You know, restoring a car, it goes from this piece of junk to this shining, beautiful car. There's a bit of a process. There's a bit of a process. So yeah, you're right. But if people understand that this is a process and they don't give up while they're in the down, down in the dumps, and they understand that that's where you see your true self, not in the best of times, it's really hard to see anything bad about anything when you're filled with love and everything's working. But when you're kind of down and out, do you still reach out to other people? Do you reach out to your group? Or do you hide? Do you run and hide from yourself? Do you lie? Do you cheat? Do you you do all this stuff when you're down and out? If you can have integrity when things are not working out, then you're starting to build yourself into somebody who can have stable recovery. You know what I mean? But it's like that. It's like when you're in the shadows, you want to deny that anything, there's anything good about you. And I saw somebody go through that yesterday in their report. There's somebody going through that right now where he does not see his own value. And because of that, he feels like he's not making enough money. He's not a good husband. He's not a good father. He's not a good at his work. And so everything gets put into question. But it's like, if he could just see his power, even when he doesn't feel his power, then he would gain the fullness of who he is. I want to address the fact, well, I think that's important. You know, we have to take responsibility. Every party has to take ownership in the end. But I want to address the fact, I know for a fact there are people listening to this episode that are like, guys, what are you talking about? Like, Hainun changed my life. Hainun saved me. Hainun has been incredibly valuable to me. And I know for a fact that there are families, there are couples, there are individuals, there are entire lineages that have been restored and saved because of the work they put in through our program with Hyman. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to, to bring that up. And I think we, we need to hear more from them. <laughs> I think, you know, sure. I mean, we have some testimonies, right, on our website and podcast and YouTube, but there are definitely, yeah, I mean, there are so many people that have really transformed through Hyman's work. And I just want to acknowledge the effort that they put in for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. This episode, really, we're speaking to the skeptics. But that's the other thing, too, is when you are right next to somebody who is going through so many transitions and they're finding themselves and they're gaining momentum in their life and they're, trans- they're really transforming, they're metamorphosizing into the person they want to be, and you're not experiencing those results. I just think that's you know a great time to look at, well, what are they doing? And to learn from them, to not judge yourself, because we're all on our own journeys. But to understand that anybody at any point can really have a massive growth and changes in their life. But it's honestly getting to that point where you're actually ready for those changes because it is, it's scary and it's confronting to have a new life. Like most people, they say that there's like a lot of therapy for CEOs of companies or founders of companies who sell their companies. They have these exits of hundreds of millions of dollars that they have no sense of purpose in their life afterwards. They don't know what to do because they've invested themselves into the pursuit of something. Once they get it, they don't know what to do with themselves. They actually become super depressed and lost. And so there's something sometimes preventing us from getting what we want because we're afraid of what that might look like. Because all you know is the struggle. You don't know what it looks like to succeed. So you're actually kind of scared of success. So I would honestly just challenge anybody. If you question the process of high noon, I would really 
ask you to say, well, what specifically is not working? And if you think there's something fundamentally wrong with our processes, please let us know. We're always willing to kind of take what's best and what works best. But in our experience, we're kind of evolving this high noon machine based off of what's working. And there is a lot that's working. And one thing that's very much working is accepting people who are ready for change and getting them to focus on what they want out of life and pour their energy into that and watch how the energy that you're allocating towards self-destruction just starts to suffocate. I think the, you know, the five virtues of high noon come to mind. One of them being, I think the fifth one, right? Courage. Is it? Yeah. Courage. I think when you were talking about this guy who was struggling for a while off and on, and then just kind of suddenly decided to be in a relationship, decided to get married. And I know for a fact that a lot of people we work with are kind of high achieving men and women who want to create families, want to get blessed, want to get married. And I know that porn is such a big block for them and it stops them in their tracks from even having conversations with someone to even starting a process of communication to try to get to know someone even, right? And I know that I think it just takes courage. Like I think that if people are just living in fear and doubt and uncertainty about my life, and if if I talk to somebody and I have to talk about porn, porn with them, what is that going to look like? And they're afraid of that change. They're afraid of going into that. And I think you just have to punch that doubt in yourself in the face, kick it to the curb and just have some courage and just say yes. And I think that's what that guy did, right? He just said, okay, I'm doing this thing. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting married. I'm getting blessed. He just went for it. And he realized, you know, through the process of just talking with folks and getting to know her that, okay, maybe it's not as scary as I thought. The worst that could happen actually doesn't usually happen when we just put ourselves out there. From what I can understand from him, it was really a matter of him finally recognizing his own value and that he stopped settling for everything that up until this point in his whole life settled for the kind of low emotions of low expectations, right? Like, I don't deserve that much. So therefore, you don't deserve happiness if you don't believe that you're worthy of it. If somebody says you're cool, you don't believe them. If somebody tries to love you and enter a relationship with you, he'd been in other processes before trying to get matched, trying to find his eternal spouse. And he just couldn't because he didn't know his own worth. But somehow after digging and digging and digging, he got to that gold. He dug deep enough to find the gold. And all of a sudden, when he recognized that he was valuable, he stopped settling. He's like, I can do this. I can do this, right? It's like that eureka moment of, wait a second, I am a child of God. Like, I have value. And when you actually Mm. feel that in your bone marrow, you stop settling for the garbage. And it's not a linear path before to get to that point. And it's not a linear path after. Sometimes you might start doubting that again. It's a very biblical thing. Like all the people who had like these great epiphanies where God spoke to them at some point was like, yeah, but what if he didn't, right? You Uh you start doubting the power that you know you have. So I would just suggest that what High Noon is set up for is to help people who are interested to start digging and start understanding the value that they have. So much so that they stop settling for all the stuff that this world offers to them because they understand their eternal value. And when you can really, when you can understand what that means and start riding that wave, you start changing your decisions and what you let in through your eyes and your ears because you're like, this doesn't feel right. It's not congruent with the person that I want to be. But tell me how, Andrew. Tell me the secret sauce. How did you do that? That's what people want to know. How do you yeah, So that. it's always a process of like knowing that it's there. Finding somebody in your life. That's what an accountability partner are. Are you serious enough to get an accountability partner? Are you serious enough to find somebody in your life who can remind you of the person that you would like to be? Are you willing to, okay, first step is like admitting 
that it is possible to change and then starting to figure out, well, what would you want to change into? Let's say you were some bug and you got to transform into another creature, like a little worm turns into a butterfly, right? Like what if you could choose which animal you, same with this, okay, you're stuck with porn. If you get have an, a different type of life, what kind of life would you want? So first identifying that and then it's pursuing the belief that that could actually happen and start to practice that. Okay, and start getting a support system that gives you the feedback loop necessary to say, yes, you can do this. You can do this even when you slip and fall, but you're better than that. And that you can be reminded of that until you actually start believing it and actually start living in accordance to your highest version of yourself. Okay, so that's practicing constantly identifying who it is that you want to be and finding other people that support you and being that person that's through groups. And it's through accountability partners. It's by talking to people in your life, your friends and family, and start practicing being that person until that becomes your new normal. You're like, I'm better than porn. Okay, really? So then what are you doing at 11 o'clock at night if it's not watching porn? What are you doing? What is that highest version of yourself? Is he reading Socrates? Is he, you know, like, or she, are you writing a book? Are you like, what are you doing? What is this person doing? Are you learning a new language? When you can start to identify these things, then it starts to give you what's called in French, joie de vivre, the joy of life, because you're pursuing something of meaning rather than avoiding life. It's a completely different energy, completely different energy. So it's simple. If you could break it down, it's like, okay, dang, do I want to go on this process or not? If you do feel ready, then it's like, am I willing to commit or not? And then it's identifying who you want to be and start practicing being that person. It's that simple. You will end up exactly where you want to be when you start to get clear on where that is and who that is and start practicing that with relentless desire to get there. Well, it sounds like there's like a mental shift people need to make in the beginning stages of I'm just dabbling with this porn thing. I'm just dabbling with finding my identity, figuring out who am I, figuring out my unique value and my contribution to this world, my unique value as a child of God, dabbling in that into actually coming to a place where you're like so intensely serious about that to the place where you're actually doing what you're talking about. Because I think a lot of people, if they're not to the place where they're serious enough to beat this porn thing, not only that, but just to figure out this life thing, figure out who you want to be, then you're not going to do it. Right. All this stuff we're talking about, the accountability part, your motivation is not going to match your intention. And therefore, you're not going to have the motivation needed to pull through. If you go to the gym and you just say, hey, tell me how to lift dumbbells, but you don't have the drive and the mindset and the motivation and the vision and the goal to do it, you're not going to do it. <laughs> eventually, gonna do you're going to quit. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, you're going to quit and you're going to blame the trainer. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. Or, or you can do the minimal effort and do it just to convince yourself that you're doing something. You're not going to progress. Yeah. So anyway, I think. It's a lot simpler than you might think. And what we offer, we're actually reducing what we offer to keep it more simple. We want it to be as simple as possible because it doesn't have to be complicated. Not necessarily easy, but it definitely shouldn't be complicated. And so we want to support you on this path. We really hope, we want to see everybody succeed, okay? We don't want to come across as being judgmental or anything like that. We also just want to put our line in the sand and also start saying, guys, if you're not ready, just say I'm not ready. And that's fine. But if you are ready, go all in, go all in on yourself. And that's a sense of like enough is enough. I'm done being this old version of myself. I need an update. So if you are feeling ready, please reach out to us. Also, if this has stimulated some frustration or anger or you feel judged, reach out to us. Okay. We want that feeling because that's like, again, that's part of your old self wanting to justify yourself, but it also like, we want that give and take. So we've heard some criticisms and we wanted to speak to that, especially me. I caught fire yesterday when Benji mentioned that because I have been hearing a little murmuring 
but it's never clear like i tried this 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 and this and i didn't get any results it's more like oh this all doesn't work it's like that's kind of impossible that all of this doesn't work especially since it's been working for some and not others so it's good to look at that and i promise you we will try to improve what we do constantly that's our passion that's our promise but if you have anything that you'd like to say to us we're happy to hear you can see our email addresses on our website hymen.org reach out to us we're happy to talk okay Thank you, Benji, for having this emergency meeting. And thank you, everybody, for listening. God bless your souls. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here for one last announcement. And that is, I encourage you to join our newsletter. We don't spam people. We give you the goods. We give you good quality information once a week in your email. And so we send out newsletters probably Saturdays mid-morning on average. And these are filled with blogs, the latest content, everything you need to know in order to get through your week with high noon light. So let us light up your inbox. Join our newsletter by going to highnoon.org. It's all right there. It's super easy. We won't spam you. We just want to let you stay connected to this high noon providence. So go to highnoon.org and sign up for our newsletter.